0: Hi, welcome to our NFL Pick Show. The Week 8 slate kicked off last night with one of the best games of the season so far. The Cardinals versus the Packers with Russell Douglas making a last-second interception to save Green Bay in a 24-21 win in Arizona. And so far, everyone on the crew has a positive record and this week we have some great opportunities to make some money with matchups like the Eagles versus the Lions and... Okay, I have to confess, I'm liking this Lions team, only winless team, they're not great, but they will break through against the Eagles and get Dan Campbell, his first head coach win. So as we reach the halfway mark of the regular season, it's time to regroup and put into action the lessons learned to keep beating the NFL odds. And with that in mind, let's get to our free picks. NFL Week 8 Pick Show, but before we get to the games, Scott, welcome back to The Fold. How was the tequila and pineapple juice in Hawaii this week?
1: <laughs> hey, the uh, tequila and pineapple juice was replaced by my uh, uh, Mai Tai, so, uh, and we had plenty of those. and uh, Glad to be back, but it was a good time.
0: Yeah, well, Chris, I think it might have been a Jim Beam kind of night last night for you and myself. I know you had a couple bets on Arizona that never looked good, but still had a chance until the bitter end.
2: Yeah, I'm sick and tired of hearing about Scott's vacations. Uh, <laughs> my idea of a vacation is being able to sleep at night. But uh, yeah, that uh, that Arizona game uh, uh, disappointing, uh, but but it happens. Move on.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm struggling to move on from one specific bet I made last night. And really quickly, I want to talk about that process here. Uh, there's a prop that I play for a few games most weeks. Shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. As scoring has risen across the league, sometimes that prop isn't properly priced and there was a moment last night the packers first and goal at the one they get the touchdown overturned on some very questionable evidence second and goal they get stopped for no gain at the one inch line third and goal they take a delay of game because they're out of timeouts and they can't get their act together you think we're dead then and rogers rushes on third and goal back to the one they're going for it on fourth and goal so you're back in the game we've got another shot at it And then an ill-conceived, incomplete pass, even if that doesn't get batted down at the line of scrimmage. I think it was intended for Cobb, and he was blanketed in the end zone. Probably the most tilting loss I've had for a bet so far this season, even though it wasn't a massive bet. When those kind of bad beats happen, can you guys just talk through, as pro bettors, what your process is like to just handle them in real time and then turn the page as quickly as possible?
2: You know, for me, I just expect it all the time. I, I, I One of my pet peeves is people that uh, are out on Twitter pissing and moaning about their bad beats. If you're a good handicapper, that means you're gonna put yourself in position to be involved in those games more often. So be grateful that you're in the running for those bad beats. But it, again, you have to move on. I mean, you're gonna get these coin flip games uh, uh, in your direction sometimes, and sometimes they're gonna go against you. It's going to happen, move on, grow up, quit complaining and, and, uh, live to bet another day.
1: Yeah. I, uh, um, it's the same thing. And I had Arizona in a teaser last night, you know, who knows if it really should have got there, but we know how close it was. Um, and you know, and, and I've lost a few close games the last couple of weeks. I just try to like go back and remember that I also have had a very good run early in the season. And a lot of I want you know not necessarily lucky wins, but certainly toss-up games, right? That could have gone either way. So I just try to put that back in my head, uh, you know, just say, hey, look, you've had a lot of luck, okay? It's balancing out here a little bit because, like Chris said, you just got to move on. You can't you can't handicap uh, based off some frustrated mindset of what happened. That's not going to help you at all. So I you know I, again, I just try to not trick my mind, but just reason with everything and say, hey. There's good and bad. These things do even off uh, over the long haul, but um, and we just move on.
2: You know, trust yeah. me. We all forget mm-hmm. all the good things that happen to us. They, they're for whatever reason, our brain just processes uh, the things that are bad more often than good. We're getting a lot of good beats. You, you're just forgetting about them. And uh, uh, as you said, Scott, they just come in in bunches. I'm three and seven on, on uh, recent coin flip games, and. Uh, I know it will reverse itself. I'm not uh, having a pity party. It's just going to
0: happen. Yeah, spoken like a couple of true pros when it comes to all this. And let's go ahead and follow that advice and move on to week eight. Let's look at our records as we take the bad with the good. Um, Moving along with the show here, we got a full screen graphic for the YouTube audience showing that despite those tough breaks last night, Chris still sitting at 18-4, and I'm at 13 and 10 and Scott's still the leader of the pack at 13 and eight. Uh, So we will try to keep that rolling and even better it where we see value on the week eight board. We're gonna go down the week eight card, highlight some of our best bets throughout the course of this show and a couple quick housekeeping items before we get there. First off, if you're watching this on YouTube, we'd appreciate it if you could give us a quick thumbs up, subscribe to the channel and go ahead and jump in the chat. Let us know who you like as we work down the week eight slate And if you really want to get and play on some of these games you like, you can do so at BetUS by signing up today using the promo code NFL2021 for a 125% sign-up bonus. And for more information on that offer, you can check out the link below this video. All right, guys, let's dive into the Week 8 slate starting in the early window on Sunday. Miami traveling to Buffalo where the Bills are now laying a full two touchdowns, total 48 and a half. Chris, how do you see this AFC East showdown going down? Well, just staying
2: current in case you care about the Blazing Five. He's <laughs> on the Bills, Colts, New England, Jacksonville, and Saints. So if you're watching the show, we're keeping you current. And there's and I'll keep you current on any uh, moving line developments also. But uh, as far as Miami goes, uh, they finally moved out of my uh, bottom. They were number 32 in the league uh, for me over the last three uh three previous weeks, uh, just checking something out. Yeah, so Houston replaces them down at the bottom. <laughs> what do you guys think about that?
1: Uh, if Tyrod Taylor would start, you'd probably have to move Houston back up and Miami back to the bottom, but uh, that's not happening. So,
0: Yeah, it sounds yeah, about right it, to me, but when you look at your Miami rating, how does Tua factor into that?
2: You know, the the, the – my ratings are, are 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 basically inclusive of what they're doing as, in, as a team in its entirety. So, uh, you know, somebody asked me about how do you adjust strength of schedule? I don't mean to get off topic, but there, you know, for people to just sit there and to look at teams that people are playing and be able to tell me that you can gauge strength of schedule, to me is really silly. It involves so many metrics along the way on, you know, the injury situations on both sides at the time and, and the weather and, the, and uh, the, the variables on, you know, what was the positioning on those matchups. You can't just look and say, oh, they, they played Tampa Bay, a great team. You know, when, what time in the season did they show up? Was it after the bye, before, before the bye? There are so many different variables. And I'm, I just bring it up. I know I, I wasted some time here. Just don't look at, at strength at teams and think that, oh, well, that was a tough game because there's teams play bad
0: games and then bad teams play great games. Does that well, tie into how you look at either the Bills or Dolphins in this one, Chris? Well, it it, it. it
2: For me, I've never had a wider margin for a single game, I don't think. Never. This is the widest margin in 12, 13 years on my model. Uh in the nfl for the difference in the ratings so uh i i like buffalo in this game i laid the 13 and a half i think and i just think these teams are miles apart buffalo coming off the bye, uh coming off a bad loss i miami's you know what can their spirits be to it knows that he's on the trading block and unappreciated half the team's always banged up and uh, they have no future for the season. Where are their spirits supposed to be? Buffalo gets it at home, and they put the pedal to the metal against teams that they can get out on leads against. I know this was a, you know, this game was closer than people realized the first game, even though the scoreboard said it was a larger margin.
0: Yeah, well, we're looking at a 14-point spread now. You mentioned getting a play at 13-and-a-half. I don't see this on our sheet as an official play for you, but would you still advise, if you hadn't bet the game yet, getting in play on the Bills at the full two touchdowns? Uh,
2: my metrics certainly say to play it, even at the minus 14. Uh, I didn't want to uh, make too many plays official on there. Uh,
0: but, uh, uh, yeah, if I had to, I would have laid the 14. Got it. Well, pretty strong conviction there on a big favorite. It's a pass for me. I've seen some promising signs for Tua's development, but still a lot of mistakes that give me hesitation to back the Dolphins, even at this kind of a number. Scott, how do you see this one shaping up?
1: Uh, I'm with Chris as far as the value I made the name number 16 and a half let's call it a total at 45 so uh, a little bit of value in Buffalo I don't love laying a a lot of points there's a an okay situation that plays against Buffalo is a really large divisional favorite Um, uh, but the value here is with Buffalo and let's remember Buffalo in this role is big favorites this year has won by 22 against Washington and by 40 over Houston, uh, obviously Houston's not, you know, well, I was, <laughs> was going to say Houston's uh, not as good as Miami. They're very close to Miami in Chris's ratings. But, um, you know, Buffalo's taking care of business. I believe Buffalo rolled last game of the season last year at home against Miami. And that was a game I think Miami needed to get in the playoffs. What was That, that was like 50 to 20 or some crazy number where Buffalo just destroyed them as well. So I lean Buffalo. I just don't want to lay this many points, but uh, I certainly would lean Buffalo's way.
0: Yeah, well, from an unofficial play on the Bills for Chris to our next game with official plays across the board. And that takes us to the NFC South. The Panthers traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons, where Atlanta is laying at minus three at minus 115. Big total 46 and a half. And we covered this game on Tuesday. T.A. filling in for Scott was on the Panthers at plus three at minus 120 at the time. And guys, now we've got a pretty strong consensus following in TA's footsteps, and an even better number on the Panthers. Scott, why don't you lead us off since you didn't get a chance to speak to this game on Tuesday?
1: Yeah, and again, as always, appreciate TA uh, filling in, and uh, he is a great follow. Uh, if anyone wants to follow him as well, um, I like Carolina here. Uh, you know, from a just a pure number standpoint, I've got Atlanta favored by two point two points, and about forty three points. A little bit of value on the under here as well, um, but. From offensively, I think these teams, they're both bad, but they're not that far apart. But on defense, I think the Carolina defense is vastly better than Atlanta's defense. They could get Stephon Gilmore uh, in the secondary this week as uh, his first game with Carolina. They may get Shaq Thompson back, which would also reinforce uh, the defense uh, for Carolina as well. So I just think Atlanta is not a very good team. Um, so to be laying a, a, a bunch of points, I, I know it's three, but to be laying that many points I think is dangerous. This number is, you know, it's it's edging towards three and a half here. It's probably, I guess you could call it, you know, three minus 120 or so. I, I think because Atlanta possibly will have some players back in the secondary that maybe were perceived to be out. But uh, I still think there's value here with Carolina in this game.
0: Yeah, and Chris, on Tuesday, we weren't quite ready to pull the trigger and join TA, I but uh, what is... What's gotten you in play since then?
2: I pulled the trigger. I took the plus three. I have to. The metrics clearly say that uh, Carolina is actually the better team and and should be giving points in this matchup. Uh, I, as I mentioned on Tuesday, I've lost a couple of weeks in a row with them, and I really hope that I wouldn't have had to. But uh, I, as much as I like Atlanta and some of the stuff that they're doing, I think that their progress is just a little slower. Uh, and I think it's a banner of buying uh, Carolina at a, at a low and uh,
0: selling Atlanta at a little bit of a high that's a little overrated for their talent. Yeah, same rationale for me. Not too much to add. I've gone ahead and plugged my nose and taken the plunge on the Panthers. So this is a unanimous play for uh, T.A. on Tuesday and the three of us today going in on the Panthers plus three. Another play that's not so sexy but might show a lot of value in our next game, Chris, your Detroit Lions hosting the Eagles, catching three and a half now, total of 48. Tell us who you like in this one.
2: Um, I don't love it, but uh, I do have the Lions as a bet. And I'd like to point something out to people. It, it's, uh, you know, there's two sides of this coin. You've got these people that like Philadelphia for some reason, and I don't understand it. Uh, they lose every week on Philadelphia like I lose every week on Carolina. So we all have these teams. But uh, people make fun of Detroit and think that they're complete and utter garbage. They're not close to my lowest rated team. And let me give a perspective here quickly. You have a rookie head coach that was ridiculed universally with no experience and no talent and was one of the top picks to be fired uh, in his first season. What do they do with him? They basically gut the team, give them nobody, and he's got to go out. Game one, he has to face San Francisco, projected to win the NFC West. Green Bay, projected to win their division. Baltimore, projected to possibly win their division. On the road, divisional matchup at Chicago uh, is never easy. Facing a quarterback they have no film on. Uh, There was Fields' early game. Uh, Then at Minnesota, another playoff contending team. Then you're facing the Cincinnati number one seed in the AFC. And then you're facing the Rams fighting for number one seed in the NFC. And you're gonna sit there with a straight face and tell me you understand what a piece of crap Detroit is. Hey, I don't think that they're that good, but but hey, they haven't had a chance to play a, from not from like out in front at all. They're always playing from behind. They don't even have a chance to 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 be competitive usually.
0: Yeah, two things to follow up there on my end. One, I know they didn't have film on Justin Fields, but neither did the Browns, and that didn't seem to be an issue. So I, I might want to push back a bit on that front. And did you mention uh, the Bengals? Is, I, I believe they might currently be the one seed in the AFC, but do you really think that they're at that level? I know we'll get to that game in a bit, but um, what kind of uh, weight do you put behind that Lions-Bengals game that we saw recently?
2: Well, I just mentioned that they are currently the number one seed. They, you know, nobody's playing better than them in the AFC at this point. So, uh, again, we get back to strength of schedule. How do you sit there and factor in uh, whether a team is garbage or not? Uh, Cincinnati may just flame out for the rest of the season, but we know that. This team has played top notch games at various points in, the, in of the season. How do you handicap that on strength of schedule? You have to literally go into each single game and grade it separately and then total it for
0: the year. Yeah, I hear you. Well, a lot about um, why you have interest in backing your Lions in this one. Is there anything on the flip side that also has you looking and play to possibly, you know, make this an anti Eagles bet at the same time?
2: Well, it's here we go. It's simple. Don't bet bad teams unless you're betting against another bad team and you're getting points. Philadelphia laying more than a field goal, in my opinion, is absurd. What have they done? there? They have no resume whatsoever. And metrics, they're, they have more team metrics 29 and higher, 29, 30, 31, 32, than the Lions do on my charts. And Detroit has number one and number two ratings in categories, and Philadelphia doesn't have a single rating above or above four. So these teams are much more similar, and the fact that the Philadelphia is laying more than a field goal on the road is preposterous. I mean, they may cover, but it's there's no value.
0: Scott, want to jump in?
1: Yeah, um, I made the number five, and but I I kind of like Detroit, so. I'm laying off the game because I'm just going to trust my numbers here. But I think Chris, Chris makes a lot of good points here. And you, you look at Detroit, they're number 10 for me in my net offensive passing success rate, which factors in who they played. To Chris's point, they played a very difficult schedule. And you look at Philadelphia, they're number 31 for me in defensive pass success rate. Again, uh, net, which also takes into account who they played. Derek Carr was 31 for 34 last week. Um, and I remember watching that game the announcer saying like the Raiders aren't even getting to a third down on these drives. That's how easy it was for the Raiders. And I had Philly in a tease and I had the under in that game under lost at the, you know, last couple minutes, but they were, they were providing no, uh, um, uh, contest at all, uh, for the Raiders to even move the ball and Dallas did the same thing, uh, in that game early in the year. And the one thing to note from Detroit, and I've said this over and over, and I haven't really been involved in Detroit games, but it is Jared Goff. This is not Davis Mills playing quarterback for a bad team. It's a bad team with a really good quarterback uh, or a a decent quarterback who can be serviceable. So I'm not playing the game um, just because my numbers make it five, but um, it just just does just feel like the game where Detroit might finally get off the schneid and, and win a game.
2: Philadelphia, 74% pass defense. Opposing quarterbacks are completing three out of four passes. It's just preposterous to sit right. there and say this team is is anything but a bad team.
0: Yeah. Scott's going to have to push back on you when you said the Lions had a really good quarterback, but good correction there in real time. I can agree with serviceable, and if everything's set up well for him, we've seen him do good things. So I hear you there. And Chris, to your point about, um, you know, the Panthers being a tough team for you to get a read on, similar to a lot of betters losing on the Eagles week after week. I was part of that last week, losing with the Eagles in Vegas. And I think of the late, great David Malinsky's phrase, putting teams in the drawer when you just realize you're not getting the right read on them. I know that um, he, like probably some other good pro betters, would do not just number grades for their power ratings, but a letter grade for confidence. I think I might be at an F for the Eagles at this point because I felt pretty good that they had some big edges in the trenches last week. Yet defensively, no sacks. Derek Carr seemed to have all the time he needed. It wasn't just no sacks. It seemed like he was not even pressured in that game. And then offensively, they have some pretty decent metrics, but I think we need to take it with a grain of salt because a lot of their production this year has come in garbage time. So factoring in game state still can't even come up with that many good things to say about that Philly offense. And Chris, I know I pushed back on you a bit with the Lions earlier, but I see some upside for them in the sense that last week uh, we saw, yes, they threw the kitchen sink at the Rams and came up short, but they were also minus two in turnovers, 0 for 5 in the red zone. So some positive regression in those departments could also serve them well and keep them in the hunt in this one.
2: Yeah, you know me I I'm not saying that Detroit's, uh, you know, much better than what everybody perceives them just don't understand why Philadelphia isn't dumping their games. They've got so many draft picks coming up. They're not going to go anywhere this year anyway. They had, Currently, they're sitting where they would get three of the top 10 picks in the first round. And when you multiply that round by round by round, why do you even bother to try to win at this point?
0: Yeah, well, I know that there's some stuff the front office might do to try to limit the amount of wins the team can get to build for the future. But how much stock can we put in that point? knowing that these players are still going out there, putting down film that can dictate you know, their contracts. This is their livelihood at the end of the day.
1: I think that's tough. I mean, unless you pull a player from the game and don't allow them to play, right? I mean, players are going to play. I don't, I don't think players tank or hold, you know, if you put them out there, because remember, this is a, not a very good team, right? And there's film on them that they might not be on this team. They're going to need to find another team. So I think that's tough to do unless you just make personnel decisions to get rid of people or not playing for some reason.
0: Yeah, well, let's move on now to our next game where we've got two teams with no concern about tanking. They are in the hunt in a competitive AFC South right now. The Titans traveling to Indy to take on the Colts. Indy up to minus two and a half at minus 115 after being an underdog earlier in the week. Total sitting at 51. And we've got a question from the live chat that can tee us up for this game. Mark Holmes asking how we rank Tennessee and Indianapolis. So, Chris, how do you rank those teams, and what do you make of this pivotal division showdown?
2: You know, I was just looking. Both teams have gained a little bit over four points uh, each over the last five weeks in improvement against the average team, and uh, I have I have Indianapolis rated uh, actually higher than Tennessee by three three spots uh, currently. Uh, I think this is going to be a great game to watch. Uh, I I had a mea culpa when I suggested alternate ways to bet something. I was going to bet the Colts to win the division, and instead uh, I anticipated Tennessee losing their last two games against Buffalo and Kansas City, so I bet Tennessee not to make the playoffs. Now both can happen, so uh, I'm holding some bad paper there, admittedly. But uh, I'm going to just sit and watch this one. I, I had this game... Uh, just under a field goal for Indianapolis, I, uh, I probably should have pulled the trigger on Indy plus one and a half when I had the chance, but I missed it.
0: Yeah, I'll go ahead and, and say that I have these teams rated pretty evenly. I mean, the Titans about as impressive of a six day stretch as you'll see. I know they had some good fortune knocking up the bills, but they throttled the Chiefs. So they're in a pretty good spot right now. But the Colts have also been on the rise. I, I make this game more or less a toss-up as the point spread reflects. So no side for me in this one. But I am in play on the over at 51. I really like that both offenses have been getting healthier here. Julio Jones and A.J. Brown looking like a full go for the Titans. T.Y. Hilton might finally make a return for the Colts. And also on the offensive line, Braden Smith, their right tackle. A surprise full practice yesterday. So that could be really good buying Carson ones you know, even more time against the Titans defense, not known to pressure the quarterback. And Wentz kind of on the down low, it's it's a popular, you know, subject to kind of bag on him and all the silly things that he does wrong. But he hasn't been playing that bad lately. I think that Frank Reich has managed Wentz and that offense really well of late. And both of these teams schematically, not just getting healthier, but using more play action over the past few weeks than they did over the season's first month. And I think against these defenses, that could really work in the favor of the over here. Again, the number at 51, a kind of key number, so not my biggest, but I do see the makings of a potential shootout. Chris, I think of your phrase, you know, your lying eyes. Last week, we saw the Colts hold the Niners under 20, but that was in a monsoon. And the Titans holding the Chiefs to three was damn impressive, but I can't help but wonder if that was an outlier performance for that unit. So, Scott, I know you're really good when it comes to totals. Um, You're not in play on this one with me, but what do you make of the total as well as the side in this probably marquee matchup of the early window on Sunday?
1: Well, I make the total 49 and a half. Uh, and remember, as we get, you know, later in the season here, divisional games with these higher totals do go under more than they go over. That doesn't mean this game does or doesn't, right? But just as a general philosophy. So it's hard for me to take these games over if they're divisional games with the higher totals, unless there's just something there. And, you know, the question about, like, where do you rank these teams? It's a great question because, like, I've got Indies. Pass offense, very, very low in their pass defense is worse. But as you said, Matt, like uh, they're getting T.Y. Hilton back. OK, well, he's not really factored in those numbers from earlier. Carson Wentz is getting healthier. He's getting into a groove. All this is coming to play now. So I think Indy is kind of a hard team for me to really evaluate right now, other than I like what I see with them. I wish I would have taken the one and a half that was available earlier in the week on Indy, like Chris said, and actually teased it up. I think they would have been a great tease option. That's long gone now. I made the line one. There are some great situations for me going against Tennessee on Indy. Uh, but as this name, as this line kind of pushes up a little bit, I don't think I want to take it. And, um, you know, I, I, this feels like a spot for Indy to play and win this game here. Um, I just don't see the value, so I'm staying off it. Uh, I do agree. I think this game could be higher scoring, but just because of my philosophies, you know, on some of that stuff in division games, I'm not involved in the total either.
2: Yeah, Matt, you said Wentz isn't playing that bad. He's playing He's been playing as a top five quarterback. He's not throwing any picks. He's getting a lot yeah. of uh, positive press co- I- I coverage lately. So uh, he's playing very well, actually.
0: Yeah, he had a bit of a handoff to the 49ers' defense on Sunday night that I guess was ruled a fumble. That, that might as well have been an ill-advised pick, but even considering that, he's still been uh, about as good as we've seen him for this most recent stretch since that 2017 campaign, I think it was, when he was on the fast track to win the MVP award. So plenty to look out for. Again, that that's probably the marquee matchup of the early one down in Indianapolis. Definitely not the marquee matchup, but one that we can speak to a bit on the next game on the slate. The Rams traveling to Houston, where the Rams are laying more than two touchdowns. Some reduced they get 14 and a half, total 47 and a half. And Scott, I don't think any of us has too much to say on this one, but you might have the most to break down, so let's hear it.
1: Well, I mean, it looks like Davis Mills is going to start now. Um, so let's talk about a couple of things that we talked about last week. They, um, they haven't, Houston hasn't scored a lot of points, obviously, with Davis Mills. They haven't scored over, I think, nine points, other than the 22 against New England. Uh, and I mentioned last week, They've only scored nine points in the second half of games with Davis Mills, and they got shut out again last week. Uh, so just kind of keep that in mind. If this game is is uh, uh, you know a, a, a big uh, margin at halftime, the under for second half total, again, could be in play here. Uh, I'll just note a couple things here. Under McVeigh, the Rams have scored 30 or more points in nine of their ten games as a road favorite of six or more. They blow it up and score. Um, and they're also eight and two against the spread, uh, in those games, I would potentially take a look, especially with Davis mills here, which I think will give the ball back to the Rams a lot more than if Tyrod Taylor was quarterbacking. And, and just a note on that, I don't know if they're going to mix Taylor in a little bit. Cause I read some stuff about, they may want to mix him in a little bit, but Davis mills is obviously starting. I like the Rams team total a little bit over. Uh, I'd prefer 30 and a half 31 and a half. Um, you know, might not be quite as good. Um, but I used the team total in the Rams in this exact same situation against the Giants a few weeks ago, and I think this might be a decent opportunity, and I'll probably look to play that team total over uh, when we get to Sunday.
0: Got it. Yeah, and credit to you for that second-half underlook in Arizona last week. That was spot on. We saw 14 points, and it was never in doubt. So I like to look at a possibly similar angle here in another game with the Texans is a big underdog for Week 8. Otherwise, this one's a pass for me. Tyrod Taylor likely coming back. Not sure what we're going to get there. And as rough of a go of it as it's been for the Texans lately, they were two for 15 on third and fourth down last week. I think, Scott, that was, you know, part of why the second half under came through so comfortably. Got to think they'll be at least a little bit better than that in high leverage downs against the Rams this Sunday. Chris, what do you make of this one?
2: Houston, I, I miss Earl Campbell. <laughs> remember him. He was really good.
0: Bub Phillips, uh, too.
2: <laughs> the, the, the metrics lean the uh, Rams way. I would probably consider a play if it falls below 14. Other than that, uh, I don't have anything to add to uh, Scott's uh, uh, articulate expression of uh, what to look for in this game.
0: Cool. Well, let's move right along then to another game with a double-digit favorite, and that would be the Bengals traveling to take on the Jets. Cincinnati currently laying 10.5 at heavy vig, 115. Total 43. Chris, this is about as uh, as much of a buy-high spot as we might see with the Bengals. What do you make of this matchup?
2: Yeah, no, no that's a good point. And, and uh, unfortunately, I, I, I'm probably uh, uh, falling for the banana in the tailpipe, but I had to lay the 10 with Cincinnati. The, the metrics are just, uh, are just too far apart to ignore, and, and just everything keeps going wrong for the Jets. They can't get any good news. I, I believe they got word that uh, another receiver is definitely not going to play. Uh, Corey Scott. Davis. Yeah. So uh, it, it just keeps on piling on, and uh, Darnold's confidence is or, or um, uh, Mike White. Oh, we're Mike, at White- Zach Wilson. Anyway, yeah. So we've got the we've got the backup uh, nobody quarterback, and uh, big favorites are covering. Uh, So I took a taste, uh, uh, a half-unit play on uh, Cincinnati minus 10, uh, and uh, I'll I'll take my chances. I think these two teams are miles apart, but it's a flat spot, banana in the tailpipe.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying not to put too much stock into the narrative of a possible letdown for the Bengals after they slayed their dragon, and even dismissing that as much as I can. I couldn't help myself from taking the plunge on the Jets plus 10 and a half. And with that hook, we're not necessarily going head to head, Chris, but I've got some basic math, if you'll humor me. Uh, and part of it relates to the look ahead line. I understand how you feel about that, Chris. I know it's not the holy grail, but I don't think it's entirely meaningless. And at the extremes, it can possibly mean something. So last week at this time, we were looking at Cincinnati minus three and a half. And I figure, would you guys agree that it's about as aggressive as you can be on a one-game sample size to bump a team by one and a half points? I mean, two is about as rare as it gets. If we do that with both of these teams, the Bengals looked great, bumped them two points. The Jets looked awful, docked them two points. Okay, three and a half, that takes us to seven and a half. And, and those four points are really meaningful when you consider we're crossing through a key number like seven. But let's just pretend it's, a, it's you know, a neutral four points, three and a half to seven and a half. Then Chris, you mentioned Zach Wilson sitting out, Mike White. Probably nothing special, but I don't know if Zach Wilson was playing better than any other quarterback in the league. So to me, it might be pretty aggressive again to knock the Jets another two points going from Wilson to White. So adding two points to that seven and a half, that gets us to Cincy minus nine and a half. And so that's me trying to be you know, dismissive of any letdown narrative, as optimistic as I can be on the Bengals and as pessimistic as I can be on the Jets. I still can't get to double digits here. I know I'm just looking at a lot of math. Maybe oversimplifying here. Is my logic off base in any way with that handicap, guys?
2: Oh, I like the way that you 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 went about that. There's there's rhyme and reason to it, and and it, it, it there's a logical uh, pathway to figuring it out, and that's what we all need to do. Uh, for my contention on that is that that game, if if Cincinnati had lost to the Baltimore as they were supposed to. Uh, I still don't think that that game would have only gone off at three and a half. I think it would have gone up uh, a lot higher. I think three and a half would have been low. And uh, but I like the way that you worked that out. I just think that the look headline line was too low uh,
0: as the starting point. Fair enough, Scott. How does that sound to you? And, and I guess one more mathematical component here. I'm also considering a correlated parlay. I mean, when we're looking at a dog this big and a total this low, just you know, maybe a quarter of the ticket or less being Jets plus ten and a half parlayed with the under here. I know we haven't used the P word, maybe at all so far this season, but how does that notion sound as well?
1: Well, you I, I look, you know, with Mike White in there, uh, your your point, you know, look, Zach Wilson wasn't much. Maybe it's a couple points uh, that they lose because of Mike White in there. I I made the number about 11 or 12 for Cincinnati, and that's just the number using four different models, and that's how they kind of come together. Um, So it gets there and supports, you know, the Bengals. There is a really good situation on uh, the Jets for me in this game, but also a good situation on Cincinnati that plays against the Jets at 10 or less. But I I like to try to vision the matchup out of what's going to happen. I don't see Mike. This is a pretty good defense for Cincinnati. So I don't see the Jets and Mike White really being able to navigate through that defense very well at all, especially with the inexperience and, of course, Corey Davis being out now uh, as well. So I think that's problematic. The other piece of it is Cincinnati can attack you and, and can attack you in big ways with big plays, and the Bengals do hit a lot of big plays. The Jets give up a lot of big plays. And if you're getting just easy scores that just start to pile on the points, you know, this game can be 30 to 10 before you know it. Um, So just, and that's how I see this thing playing out, which would get me leaning towards Cincinnati from that standpoint. Um, so it, it's tough for me to get behind the jets. If it's Zach Wilson and, and again, Zach Wilson, not being great, but at least he's got some experience, you know, over the first seven, eight weeks of the season that maybe you get something from that and draw something from that. But Mike White. Just, uh, I just fear that this Cincinnati defense is too good. That the they could just stonewall him. and you know, any points that Cincinnati gets almost gets them to a cover.
0: Then, yeah, I feel like anytime you're taking double digits, you have to be prepared for the outcome of of an absolute blowout. The Jets could totally get steamrolled here. And at the same time, I know there's often some trepidation. Even though Chris made the good point, double-digit favorites do cover more often these days. Uh, Still something not a lot of betters feel comfortable with, laying double digits. So this game may be a bit of a plug-your-nose play on either side. But in the next matchup we're going to get to, that's not necessarily the case. A big AFC North rivalry. The Steelers traveling to Cleveland to take on the Browns. Cleveland currently laying 3.5, total of 42. And Chris, right before we came on the air, we got word Baker Mayfield is in. Defensively for the Browns, no Denzel Ward. How do you see that ultimately affecting this number? Is it a matter of time until we possibly see a four, if not more, for Cleveland?
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm surprised this line hasn't skated up. Boy, it just goes to show you uh, uh, what people really think of Mayfield. Uh, They didn't see much of a drop-off last week, so... I would have thought this line would have climbed already, even under you know without Mayfield uh, ready to go. So little surprise there. But I have uh, this game quite a bit off this number. I laid three earlier in the week. I wouldn't be looking to lay three and a half, quite frankly, because I Pittsburgh's been improving. They've gained uh, three point two points uh, uh, against the average team over the last five weeks. And they're, you know, every game's a must-win for them. And you saw, uh, you know, it looks like Tomlin's going to USC, so they're going to play their hearts to keep him uh, on the team. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I think, you know, that's it in a nutshell. It, it, it's a, we know what these two teams are. They're uh, uh, predictably unpredictable, but uh, predictable
0: enough. It's amazing with all these USC NFL rumors as a USC alum, I I don't know anybody who has too much interest in Urban Meyer or Mike Tomlin, and yet it seems to be all we're hearing about. And if those guys don't seem interested in coming and the USC fan base and, and the broader support base doesn't seem interested in having them come, I don't know why these rumors exist. It's kind of silly that Mike Tomlin has to speak to that in a press conference. but. Within the confines of this matchup, I was prepared to go ahead and pass, just thinking the Browns, a lot of uncertainty with some injuries. Now that we have some clarity, it's not great to see Denzel Ward going to be missing from that secondary. But with Baker Mayfield in, I did go ahead and grab just a last-minute reduced VIG, minus 3.5 that I was able to shop for. So just a small play on the Browns right now, expecting the number to go up a bit. Uh, really it's it's a new big brother in this matchup for so long It was the Steelers with the upper hand and now that tide seems to have turned so scott. What do you make of this one?
1: Uh, this is a pass for me matt I I made cleveland four and a half point favorites a little value there and made the number 41 and a half for the total so Um, nothing for me. I mean cleveland is getting healthier. I think they're gonna have both their tackles They're gonna have one running back. They're gonna have mayfield Yes, they lose Ward, but they're getting back to where they, you know, almost where they were. So, uh, that's good. Uh, A little bit of value on Cleveland. I would lean that way, but I'm not playing the game. Um, Cleveland's just one of those teams where they've kind of disappointed me a little bit this year when I've expected them to do some things and they haven't done it. And, uh, you know, this Pittsburgh offense isn't great, but I still respect their defense a little bit here. And, um. It's just hard for me to trust Mayfield Lane, you know, any sizable amount of points. It's, it's not a lot of points, obviously, but I just, I'm not comfortable doing it. So I, I'm passing on the
0: game. When you mentioned, Scott, having Cleveland a four and a half point favorite by your numbers. I'm curious, is there a certain threshold you need, I guess a buffer would be a better term, to go ahead and get in play? Because that seems like, you know, if you've got a one-point edge, four is not a, a really key number, but games land on four. Um, is there a certain number that you always look for, or is it dependent on the team? And in this case, you mentioned not really having a lot of confidence, perhaps, in what to expect from the Browns.
1: I, I think it's a little of both. I mean, at, at three, of course, uh, and two and a half, I mean, goes without saying, uh, that, w- that would be a great number, of course. Uh, three would probably be Okay it's It's just like I said, I just um, I don't know what to think about Baker Mayfield, and um, I just struggle laying points with him, divisional rival, they know each other. Um, I, I just can't I can't wrap my head around doing it.
2: well are you are you using manual power ratings or are you uh, uh, putting numbers together together to get numerical power numbers that you work off of? Uh,
1: it's it, It's putting basically stats, uh, you know, looking at success rate and some other things as well. Uh, that ultimately then generate and create a number,
2: right? So yeah, I'm in the same boat. See, you know, you can either set manual uh, power ratings, and you know these guys, if there's a half point off, they see value in it. Whereas uh, I could be several points off because I'm getting hardcore numerical numbers on my power ratings, like Scott is, and sometimes I can be five, four points off on a game, and I'm not betting it under certain circumstances, uh, but. Uh, so that, that that's how that can work. That's why I was asking uh, uh, whether he was doing the numerical approach.
1: Well, and to your point, Chris, earlier I try to make you know as many adjustments as possible based on the personnel that played. Like, like if I'm looking at Houston, I take out their first two games at least offensively, and I know the offense can you know uh, feed to the defense and vice versa. But uh, that was Tyrod Taylor, right? So uh, I'll just run the last five games they played. So I try to adjust for a lot of that stuff, but. You know, like you said, there's a lot of things there, um, and you've had a fair amount of injuries in and out for Cleveland and whatnot, even for Pittsburgh. So, it's hard to really ever do the proper adjustment and, and get a completely proper number. So, for me, there's a little bit of feel there as well. Once you get that number, I mean, what what did you make this number?
2: Oh, I I'd rather not say, but it's uh, <laughs> considerably higher. It, uh, yeah, okay. ha- I have it north of a touchdown.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Wow, yeah, that's that's pretty steep, but uh, we could see the line at least move in that direction between now and kickoff with Mayfield confirmed in, so an interesting number to watch there. And another interesting number for a team that's been tough to pin down, guys, San Francisco traveling to Chicago to take on the Bears. The Niners laying four on the road, low total of 39 and a half. Scott, what do you make of this matchup?
1: I've got a little value on Chicago here. I made San Fran about a one and a half point favorite. Uh, predict a total to be 39 and a half. Uh, I'd, I'd love to play the under, but it's just such a low total. It's, you know, obviously basically on the number here, but both these teams, uh, horrible throwing the ball. I've got San Francisco, number 29, Chicago, number 32. Uh, and they both actually both been good defending the pass. I've got San Fran three for all their issues in the secondary and Chicago number nine. So, okay. I can't throw the ball. I defend the pass. Well, uh, that generally is going to lead to a lower-scoring game, but the number's about right from a uh, uh, from a total standpoint, um, although I still think the game could play to the under. Um, and I've got Chicago in a couple strong situations. It's, it's just hard for me to get comfortable Justin Fields and thinking he can win this game, but I think there is value on the Bears in this game.
0: Yeah, just a lean for me here towards San Francisco. I'm curious to see Jimmy G as he continues to get reacclimated and also maybe playing some fair conditions. The forecast looks decent for this weekend in Chicago. Again, it was more or less a monsoon on Sunday night. So the Niners just one for 11 on third down in that one, minus two in turnovers. If we see those normalize, I see some reason to be possibly optimistic on the Niners, although they're another team they might want to put in the drawer because they have just been so tough to get a read on from week to week. Chris, I know this number was a little bit lower earlier in the week, so we have seen some steam on San Francisco. What do you make of this number?
2: How in the world does Chicago have three wins? I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know how many better teams in the <laughs> league have fewer wins? I, I, I Chicago comes up as colossal garbage on my, all my metrics. Uh, I can't see a pathway to making Chicago favored in any way. Um it, Scott and I are going to have to have a powwow afterward, I, where he can show me uh, <laughs> how Chicago could be uh, not be that close to those numbers. But I, I have uh, San Francisco much higher, uh, and I'm not a fan of San Francisco. I think this without Kittle, they're an entirely different team. They're just like uh, Carolina without McCaffrey, and it seems like uh, Shanahan might be losing his grip a little bit. I heard that uh, there was some. Odd comments that he made. I didn't personally see him, but that was the feeling. Uh, I I'm max out. A couple other players are out. Quinn uh,
1: looks like Quinn's cleared from COVID, by the way, so he'll he'll play. It looks like.
2: Okay, um, I I laid the three on this, and uh, I mean I could see Chicago showing up, and I, I you know San Francisco really isn't that good of a team without uh, Kittle. I, I he really makes. The wheels turn for that team, but they're coming off that bad Indianapolis loss. San Francisco has to have this win, and they they've got enough talent. They should win this game. Yeah, uh, but I, I wouldn't. I, I, I don't think I'd lay four in this situation, but I laid three.
0: Yeah. Hey, sometimes Matt. by the time we get to Friday, the market's pretty efficient. Scott, go ahead, jump back in.
1: Uh, sorry, I was just going to say. I mean, here's my read on San Francisco. Uh, Garoppolo if you know, they're a heavy run oriented team that sets everything else up for them And if Garoppolo can play within the context of that offense Meaning that they're they're close in a the game They can run the offense the way they need to run it to really be successful Then I think he can thrive and be okay if he starts to get behind and also now it's kind of uh, Determined that they're gonna have to throw the ball and they can't run all their play action and all that kind of stuff I don't think he's good enough to do that um, and and to kind of answer chris's question how would Chicago beat them in this game? It would just have to be that defense that just forces mistakes by Garoppolo, which, you know, are coming. I'm not saying the bears can or, or will or will not do that, but that that's how I look at San Francisco in every game. If they're going to be playing a good team and Garoppolo has to be the guy, I don't know that he can be the guy, but if he can just play within the offense and they can stay in the game, Shanahan's offense, you know, is very uh, creative and I, he can succeed, you know, and obviously, you know, without Kittle, that doesn't help him, but uh, they, they, there's enough creativity there that they can still run that offense if they're in the game. This would appear to be in a game that they can be in it all the time and run what they want, you know, unless Chicago just forces him into a bunch of mistakes.
2: Yeah, I think I think you know Chicago can get lucky with an early game turnover and change the whole complexion of this game, but this game really should map out to, you know, a slow grind
0: away, you know, 10-point win by San Francisco. Yeah, well, that takes us to the end of the early slate on Sunday. So we'll call a quick timeout if you're joining us on YouTube. Go ahead and give us a quick thumbs up. Jump in the chat. Let us know what you think as we work our way down the Week 8 card. And on that note, guys, let's get to the late window on Sunday, starting with Jacksonville, traveling to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. The Seahawks currently laying three and a half, so that number's trickled up uh, since we spoke on Tuesday And then, uh, yeah, I'm looking. I think the Seahawks are the home team in this one, guys. But correct me if I'm wrong uh, based on that graphic. Cool. We are in Seattle here. So uh, the Seahawks, the three and a half point favorite, total sitting at 44. Uh, We did cover this one, like I said, on Tuesday. TA at the time took the Seahawks at minus three, minus 120. So the line's moved a bit in his favor. But Chris, since then, uh, I know you and TA had a spirited debate on this game. You've gone ahead and jumped in on the Jags with this line continuing to trickle upward.
2: Yeah, I, I waited uh, to play this game. Jacksonville's actually improving over the last five weeks against league average point-wise. And Seattle, uh, understandably, has lost uh, almost three points of value. Uh, I, I think we saw it on Monday Night Football. I mean, they were lucky to score it all. I mean, that 84-yard uh, pass play, everybody I, t- I missed it, but everybody said that was a bad pass. That there was push-off involved. Uh, Seattle doesn't. uh, How are they going to do anything? I mean, they don't have anything going for them. I mean, not that Jacksonville's some juggernaut, but Seattle's doing worse at home than they're doing on the road in general. The 12th man isn't there. I hate to trust Oscar Mayer, I mean, uh, Urban Meyer, but... Uh, I, I've got to take the points. I got, I refer back to my previous comment. Don't bet bad teams unless you're facing another bad team giving you points. And Seattle is a bottom-tier team. They're not.
0: Uh, they're in the bottom 10 for sure in my book. Yeah, Scott, it seems like this game closer to where your numbers make it.
1: Yeah, I made it uh, a little over two. I made the total, though, and I'm just looking at this as Chris was talking, 45. Um you know, the over might not be a bad play in this. You've got to have a little bit of faith in Geno Smith, but it'd really be because the Jacksonville defense isn't that good. I'm just looking here. You know, I look at uh, net success rates, both rushing and passing, and both these teams are negative uh, versus the rush, and that's relative to the competition they played. They're both vastly negative uh, in the pass. Um, so we've got a pretty low total. You got, uh, you know, Lawrence who can throw the ball a little bit here. Again, you got to have a little faith in Geno Smith, but they've got big-time receivers with Seattle that should be able to exploit the secondary a little bit, I think, as well. Over forty-four might not be a bad play in this game.
2: You know, the uh, Peyton had uh, Winston on a and uh, a complete leash. It was just yes. ridiculous the play calling. So, w- what you're going to see with Lawrence this week? He, he they're gonna he's going to let him air it out. And you can hear it out against Seattle. So uh, I I agree with what you're saying, Scott.
1: And and I'll just add one other point here, too. Um, Seattle has run the their their passing numbers with Geno have been awful. Uh, They have run the ball pretty well. They should be able to run against Jacksonville's Rush D, which could open up some play action. And then you've got the big receivers. And this is a really low total for two bad defenses in the NFL, in my opinion. I'll probably end up playing this game as I just kind of look through this and, and think through it. Yeah,
0: starting to get talked into the over a bit, and it makes sense. This might be a messy one between two subpar teams in Seattle. But moving on to the next game on the card, perhaps the marquee matchup of the late window on Sunday, the Patriots traveling across the country to take on the Chargers. Chargers currently laying minus 4.5. It reduced VIG, so we've seen some Patriots team come in after this number touched 6 earlier in the week. Total 49.5. And, and Chris, you're on a side in this one. Tell us who you like.
2: Um this one is pretty easy by my metrics uh, the uh, I like the Patriots plus the points. I bet them plus six earlier in the week. I, I like them at the current four and a half. Uh, it's not that I don't respect the Chargers. I actually, I mean, I have proper fear against the Chargers because they're coming off the bye, which is a perfect bye spot for the Chargers because things were kind of a little out of control with them. And, you know, going forward on fourth down in your own 20 and, 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 and not having a kicker. Now they have a kicker. We're going to actually see them attempt to, you know, kicks, which
0: changes. You think the they have a kicker, right?
2: Also. Haven't we
1: thought they've had kickers before?
0: Well, Ever since John
2: Carney, one after another. Kick the can. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but so there, maybe they'll get some help on special teams. They won't feel like they need to go for the, all those fourth downs. But, but I have New England gaining, uh, I think the mm-hmm. the most in the league over the last five weeks, five point eight points uh, against the average team uh, versus five weeks ago. And the and the Chargers are have lost three. Uh, like Chris, I said, really I,
0: quickly, I, I've heard as you've talked about this, I, I'm hearing halftime creep in a couple times. Is that your Don Best screen chirping at us? Yeah. OK, OK. Just if people are hearing that, um, then, then that's what that is. Um, well, I guess the the downside of the occasional halftime chirp being that Chris has his finger on the pulse of every line move and all kinds of breaking news as we're doing this in real time. So carry on. Just wanted to clarify that for the audience.
2: And I can't turn the volume off. If I turn the volume <laughs> off on the unit, it, it still chirps. I, I, I've tried. It, nothing I can do. Uh, the the buy came at the perfect time for the Chargers to to maybe reset. They are getting healthier. Uh, there's a lot of good things that they can come out of this uh, this buy. Although we noticed in the last recently uh, people these teams coming out of the buy aren't performing very well. So it's something to keep an eye on. Is that a new trend or not? But Engel, uh, New England must win situation. This is a team that could be the, the with a one loss team if things have gone differently.
0: Yeah, I think the point about the buy maybe not being as valuable as so much of the marketplace has assumed for a while is a good one. T.A. touched on that on Tuesday. And I love that kind of nuance. And I still lean toward the Chargers in this one because I think the buy week might not mean the same to all teams depending on when they get it and how equipped they are to process it. I feel like Brandon Staley, based on at least what he said, uh, is in a spot to process things pretty well here. He's talked a lot about doing self-evaluation at this stage. And an early buy for a first-year head coach and a new regime can actually be pretty favorable, I think, considering offensively he's come out and said they need to get more aggressive on early downs. And that's music to my ears as a Chargers fan. I think there's no reason to wait until third and fourth down to let Justin Herbert do what he does best, give him more opportunities, and sometimes you might not even need to get to third and fourth down, just keep the chains moving defensively. He's talked about needing to renew a commitment to stopping the run. I know with that two high shells, sometimes the Chargers team invites the op- opponents to run on them. And it's one thing to invite the run, but it's something different entirely, not being able to stop it. And they have to be able to put up at least some resistance. And I also like with the bye week, they're getting back some reinforcements at all three levels of the defense with Justin Jones, Drew Tranquil, and Nasir Adderley. So some reason for optimism for me with the Chargers. But I'm going to want to see it before I put my money on it. Hearing Staley say it is one thing. Seeing it on the field is what it's really going to take for me to fully buy in. Scott, what do you make of this one?
1: First of all, Matt, you get the feeling like if you could just be a fly on the wall at Chris's house, it would be very entertaining. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just get that feeling, but
0: <laughs> we yeah, do that, I mean, every great. every show before we come on the air, I wish I could be there and just check it out. Sometimes it's, uh, I think Chris has used the phrase panic in the streets, but I have come to embrace it, and he still shows up just ready to go as soon as the lights oh, turn on. Oh, yeah, it's
1: on. like clockwork, right? He's he's good to go once, uh, once the lights go on. Uh, I mean, you hit on it. it Chargers 31st for me defending the run, um, and And, you know, I've got New England's seventh best, so the path to victory here might be running the ball a little bit. Uh, And and the other thing I guess I'd point out is New England hasn't got a ton of pressure on the quarterback this year. Chargers have been very good defending that, so, uh, you know, they might be able to to do something from that perspective. I made the number four, so it's kind of right where it's at. Uh, 47 on the total, so a little bit towards the under. My only question with New England is who have they beat this year? They beat the Jets twice and they beat Houston. Now they don't have to win this game, right? So I, I get that. And uh, it's not that I think New England's a bad team, um, but, you know, I haven't seen them uh, beat a real good team. I'm not playing the game because I made the number basically four. And like I said, I could see them if they can run the ball uh, on the Chargers possibly, um, you know, they can stay in this game as well.
2: Scott. The Patriots have had to play professional football players on organized teams
0: every week this season. <laughs> well,
1: yes. before
0: we before we move on from this game, we do have a question in the live chat pertaining to it. Uh, it looks like it's about schedule comparison between these two teams, and I would guess that's getting at the fact that the Chargers, before their bye, the first six weeks was a gauntlet for them. Scott, you touched on the Patriots schedule, uh, maybe not being too tough so far this year, although to Chris's point, they have played organized professional football teams throughout the first seven weeks. So um, I know we've already talked about strength of schedule a bit on this show, but it's, it's I think, a relevant team at this point of the season. What do you guys make of, you know, the Patriots slate so far versus the Chargers slate so far and how that might be a factor as these two teams get ready to go head to head? All right. <laughs> I,
2: I, I missed it.
0: <laughs> Question in the chat about schedule comparison between these teams, uh, knowing that I, I think generally the Chargers are said to have had a really tough schedule so far, and the Patriots, known to have, have had a pretty easy schedule through seven weeks. Uh,
2: I, I, again, you get into those, those, those issues of the little quirks involving evaluating what, they, what happened each time they played these teams? If you say New England only played Miami, that's wrong. Miami was healthy when they played game one. Uh, they had their act together. Uh, there was a different, entirely different dynamics involved there. And also... Uh, they New England had the new quarterback. They had things working against them, and everything was working in Miami's favor. So, you know, playing Miami in that situation wasn't necessarily garbage. Playing the Jets early on with the new coach wasn't necessarily garbage. Uh, you, you just have to evaluate it different ways. Uh,
1: I, I would just point out, too, like when I look at my success rate, yards per play, yards per pass, yards per rush, I do look at it, uh, you know, what are they averaging for the year versus the opponents they played? So, um, you know, it's it's not perfect science, but uh, it at least, you know, tries to take into account the level of competition they've had to some degree. So uh, I do look at it, and, uh, you know, that, that kind of helps to formulate the numbers.
2: There's going to be two different ways of looking at, at, at these situations. So if you look at the Chargers... One could say, okay, they beat a garbage Washington team who's got the worst defense in the world, and they were only able to put up 20 points. Uh, then they played uh, uh, Dallas to a decent game, but they lost. Uh, they Kansas City's complete garbage, and they got lucky to win that game. Uh, Vegas, they're supposed to be much better than Vegas. They, okay, they won that one. Uh, they Cleveland is certainly not the same Cleveland from last year, and that was a wild shootout, and they got lucky to win that one. Uh, so th- there's different perspectives. There's a lot of flash on certain teams that you, you sit there and go, oh, they're better than they are. No, they're not. They've got a lot of other issues going on you're not
0: seeing. Yeah, well, Chris, you touched on that Washington team, the Chargers beat in week one, and this week Washington taking on another AFC West opponent, Traveling to Denver. That's the next game on our card. The Broncos currently favored at home in this one laying three up to minus 120. So we could see three and a half for Denver sooner rather than later. The total has been steamed up to 44 and a half. Scott, what do you make of this one?
1: Uh, I've got some great situations on Washington that would make me just love, uh, you know, where I would just love to play Washington here. Some really good, consistent, just situations that have worked year after year after year. Um, but I'm showing value here uh, at the end of the day on Denver, so I can't really take Washington at that number. And do I want to lay anything with Denver? Hell no, um, no. So I mean, it's going to be a pass for me. I was just seeing, yeah, make the total forty-three and a half. I, I, like I said, the situations are really good. There, you know, and just looking at some, you know, just matchups from a matchup standpoint. Um, I think this is, could be favorable for Washington, but. At the end of the day, the math just doesn't get me there. So I'm, I'm passing on this game.
0: Yeah, and it's a pass for me as well. I do lean toward the over in this one. I think the Washington defense is still living a bit off of last year's reputation. Chris, you were well ahead of the curve on that one. And on the other side of the ball, the Washington offense really misleading scoreboard output last week. They only put up 10 points, yet they went 1-4 for four on fourth downs, 0-4 oh four in the red zone. And when Washington has the ball, I don't know who they're going to be going up against in the middle of that Denver defense. Chris, I think when we wrap up this show, you might have a call from the Broncos seeing if you want to suit up for them at linebacker this Sunday.
2: You know what? I, 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 I'm not a player anymore. I'm just too old. <laughs> I, I have I have Denver slightly favored in here. Uh, I think that they're, they're going to be vastly improved in the uh, upcoming weeks as they get healthier. I mean, they were just really crippled in the wrong places. And uh, uh, I'm happy I don't have to have a position in this game because losing with either of these teams would be
0: really aggravating to me right now. Yeah. Well, last thing on this game, Chris, I see a note. This is the Chipotle game. Can you elaborate?
2: Oh, it's the Chipotle game. That's right. Drive on by and pass. <laughs> we're not stopping. This. <laughs>
0: Are you not a
1: Chipotle guy? Is that what you're saying? No.
0: Uh, how about, how about those new commercials during any, every NFL game Chipotle now with brisket? Does that change the dynamic for you?
2: I, I didn't even know that it started with a C. thought it started with an S. Oh, and that's a P.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, Chris, it's been around for about 15 years, uh, Chipotle. Uh, Maybe check it out sometime, but I, I, <laughs> I, like, I like the take on, on that angle for this game. Um, a game that people will want to stop by and check out in some pretty good detail where both of you guys have positions. Tampa Bay traveling to New Orleans in a big NFC South showdown. The Bucks laying four and a half, total 49 and a half. We've got one play on the side here, one play on a total. Scott, go ahead and lead us off with the side that you're on in this matchup.
1: Uh, I like uh, Tampa Bay. I like New Orleans here, Matt. Uh, (laughs)
0: Are
1: (laughs) you sure? I mean, that'd be great, right? Uh, I make the number uh, about two, just under two. So I think we got a little value here. Actually made the total 48. And I spoke earlier about these uh, higher number totals and divisional matchups as we get later in the season tend to go under. Uh, So I actually played the under here as well. I think for the purpose of the show, I'm just, I'm leaving it as Saints uh, plus the four and a half. Uh, But I like them here. They, You know, it's kind of surprising when I look at my numbers and be interested to see what Chris has in his numbers, but Tampa Bay, I've never really thought about them as a team that runs the ball, but my numbers actually reflect them running the ball pretty well but they're going to run into the Saints, who are number one, defending the run here. Uh, and we know Tampa Bay, by the way, uh, defends the run as, very well as well. So we might see a lot of passing in this game, which doesn't really help from an under standpoint. Uh, but I just think that, you know, the, the defense for the Saints is very good. Chris hit it on earlier. Uh, the Saints being very, very conservative with their play calling. And that does not seem to be changing. Um, I guess it's keeping Jameis out of out, out of trouble. Uh, and And I don't, you know, Tampa Bay has not played fantastic on the road here. And I'm not here to say Tampa Bay is not good, but, I'm you know, they beat Atlanta, New England. They barely got by some weather there. Miami, okay, who cares? Philly, who cares? Chicago, who cares? And when they played two good teams, the Cowboys and the Rams, they either lost or barely beat the Cowboys. So that tells me they're probably not running away with this game, especially on the road. Uh, and, And last thing here, I mean, this is the Saints' second home game of the year. We kind of forget that they took the first month off from being at home. And it even boggles my mind that much more now knowing they lost at home to the Giants in their only other home game. But um, I think there's some value here with the Saints and some value on the under as well.
0: Yeah, it's a quick pass for me. Tampa Bay, I, I hear you, Scott. They haven't had any, you know, maybe really impressive wins. But I still think they're among the very best teams in the league. But I've also been impressed by the Saints lately. I mean, on Monday night this past week, one for four in the red zone, losing the turnover battle and still winning in a pretty tough environment. So I think that says something about them. To your point, also finally getting back into the Superdome or whatever it's called these days, uh, Chris. What do you make of the total in this one at forty-nine and a half?
2: Um, I'm no totals expert, so I would like to get back to that uh, and, and ask Scott's opinion on that. Uh, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna give a little secret sauce here. What's really surprising is Tampa Bay has gained the most amount of value versus other teams over the last five weeks on my metric somehow. Uh, and doesn't that seem very quietly that that has happened somehow? Uh, it, it's just something I noticed right now, but uh, I, you know, I, I love the saints. They, they were my bread and butter last year. And uh, I really loved uh, betting them Monday night, not God, it was an ugly game. <laughs> it, it just infuriating because it was so intentional. You just knew he wasn't going to let Winston do anything. And so it, it's either two things are going to happen. Either they're really that bad or they're brilliant. And they said, we're going to just not show a single thing. We're not going to show anything intelligent. We're just going to pound and ground. And we're going to save it for Tampa Bay the following week. I mean, for the Saints sake, I certainly hope they were leaving stuff on the table because I don't know what you could do with that offense. Uh, Lordimer covers Evans like Cochran fits gloves on hands, okay? and <laughs> Tighter than a drum. Kamara, how's, where's he going to run to? You know, he can't run the ball. Uh, how are they going to – you know, it seems like this is going to be a tough game to get points. And I'm curious what Scott thinks on the total because I don't see how they're going to be running up and down the field uh, with the, you know uh, – the the, the 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 baby rattle that Winston, I mean, or the football that he's allowed to hold in his hand uh, because he's not allowed to do anything.
1: Yeah, uh, Scott
0: cleaned this up after that uh, OJ reference Chris just tried. Well,
1: and I was going to say, I don't think the glove fit either, did it, Chris? So I don't even know if Cochran's good at putting the gloves on the hand. So, you know, but uh, uh, I made the I made the number 48 so it's a little bit of value to the under. And, I'm, I'm and, and, you know, not, neither one of us mentioned it. You guys maybe hit on it on Tuesday or last week, but Uh, saints getting a lot of defensive reinforcements back here as well. So, um, and they get one more back this week as well. So, um, and to your point, I don't think it's changing. I don't think they're hiding anything, Chris, because saints, I don't even remember who they were playing a couple weeks ago. And we talked about if there was ever a time for them to, you know, take the bandaid off and let Jameis go, it would be against this team. And they still didn't do it. I mean, I know you made the point, uh, I think last week that, um, the the Saints were starting to score a few more points, but I think that's more maybe the product of some of the teams they were playing. You know, it's, it's a dink and dunk here. It's, you know, dish it off to Kamara. you know, throw it to Camara. That just takes time to move down the field. And I don't see yes. a Tampa Bay team, you know, allowing to get 60 yard chunks in, in one play. Um, so I think the clock will tick here. And the Saints defense, I think is pretty good. And Antonio Brown now out again, he's kind of a deep threat for them. Um, you know, we'll see if Gronkowski comes back, but um, and, and, you know, the Saints have played them tough here. Uh, I know they lost in a playoff game last year. It was more, you know, probably about, you know, Drew Brees having an arm like you and me. But um, I think they'll make them earn everything they get. And short of turnovers, I, I think it'll be tough to get over the total.
2: Well, I played the under 49 and a half for uh, show purposes. And, and privately, I, I did lay the four uh, with Tampa Bay because I'm forced to, uh, based on, how I put together my uh, play selections but you guys mm. made a lot of great cases for uh, a lot of good points on on what's going on with the
0: Saints and it, it's a it's a tough tough game to bet yeah love the uh the public private play on the Bucks minus four uh, another good matchup in that late window on Sunday And before we move on to the Monday night game, uh, we don't have a graphic ready for Sunday night because we covered it on Tuesday. But we'd be remiss not to circle back on this matchup between the Cowboys and Vikings, given some pretty big news with that Prescott status up in the air. The game has been popping on and off the board. Again, we don't have a graphic for it here because we did cover it on Tuesday. But I know the scroll at the bottom of the screen here on YouTube has been mentioning Dallas minus two. The current consensus, the Vikings have flipped to a three-point favorite, Total currently sitting at 52 and a half. When we touched on this on Tuesday, TA and Chris were both leaning Dallas's way at minus three, minus 105. Again, that was assuming Dak was a full go here. So Chris, we'll circle back on that in a bit. But Scott, we haven't gotten your take on this one yet. A lot of recent news, a really big matchup in the NFC. What do you make of Cowboys Vikings on Sunday night?
1: Well, I'm kind of mad because I had, and I'm sorry, I was just putting in some numbers here in case Zach doesn't play just to kind of see Um, How that affects some things for me. But um, I had Arizona in a teaser last night, which obviously blew up. And I teased them with Minnesota going up to getting seven and a halfs, which, you know, especially if Dak doesn't play, uh, would have been a phenomenal leg of that teaser. And of course, that's gone now. So.
2: What did you tease it to?
1: uh, I teased Minnesota and Arizona. And and I teased Minnesota yesterday when they were. Minnesota too? Seven and a half. Yeah, they were one and a half yesterday. Yesterday you morning, see, you
2: would have been alive in some cases if you teased to the eight. You just needed it to land on
0: eight. Uh, what?
2: If on teasers, if you push one leg and you lose the other, it's a push.
1: Oh yeah, oh right. But, but
2: Arizona toast.
1: Yeah, I had Arizona though, so I lost. It, it
2: doesn't matter.
1: Oh, I you're oh you're saying if you lose matter. and push, got it, got it. It's got still it. a
0: live teaser if you okay. had That's a solid. That's next level, Chris. Got it. Yeah, Good work.
1: wow. Wait. playing
0: with kids here.
1: we take a note on that one, Chris. <laughs> well, there was no plus two and the plus one and a half was, was gone very shortly after that. But, um, I made the number with Dak. I made Dallas a one point favorite without him, I'd probably, I think it's about a six point adjustment, maybe six and a half. So it would probably take me to about Minnesota by five, give or take. And, um, the Vikings number one in the league in, in pressure on quarterbacks. Now I don't know how much they'll be able to do against this Dallas offensive line. Cowboys are are pretty decent, so they might be able to hold that up a little bit. Um, but I think the Vikings can throw the ball in this Dallas secondary as well. You know, we we talked about Digs with all of his interceptions, and there's that is certainly true. He's a ball hawk, uh, and there's something to be said for that, and there's value to that. But you know, he hasn't been great covering uh, receivers though, and I think there are some holes in that secondary and. If, if Dak doesn't play, uh, I think there's a little bit of value here uh, on the Vikings and, and probably the under as well. I don't see Cooper Rush lighten up a Viking defense that's, you know been very good on the front, uh, front lines this year.
0: Yeah, and Chris, I'll kick it to you in a sec because I don't have too much to add uh, after what we said on Tuesday. And then knowing that this breaking news, the market has responded accordingly. I'm just wondering how high Minnesota gets as a favorite and how low this total dips if we do get confirmation that Dak's out in this one
2: um I, I it seems like he would hit five or six at this point uh potentially if he's out that's what some people were speculating i think where the line sits now is preposterous quite frankly because we don't know i i I'm, i was wondering why isn't the game just off the board why would these books uh allow this much space between it uh, i've already bet this game at pickham on dallas uh, I'm not that concerned at this point. Uh, uh, He may still go, number one. And I believe that the quarterback that's going to substitute has played uh, football before and has uh, played with the players before and knows days in advance he can practice with these guys. And he did a whole preseason and he played four years of college. You know, he's not an empty, you know, vessel so I, I don't think sounds I'm like you're sp- making my
0: jets handicap for me with mike white
2: <laughs> <laughs> i know but I, I honestly i might double bet this game if if this were to hit six or, or keep on going up i I'll, I'll take dallas again and i never double bet but I, i'll double bet it if it gets up to a level that high
0: yeah, good stuff. Well, I, I'm glad we circled back on this one. Again, a lot of big news since we touched on it Tuesday. So that's where we are with the Sunday night game. Guys, one more game to go. Monday night football, the Giants traveling to Kansas City to take on the Enigma, that is the Chiefs. Kansas City laying double digits, but just at even money, total 52 and a half. Chris, what do you make of the Monday night showdown between the Giants and the Chiefs?
2: Oh, I don't like this game, but I had to bet the New York Jets. I mean the Giants, plus the ten, and uh, it's it, sometimes you just are the team that the stats say you are, and I've been saying it for a year and a half that there, you know, there's just cracks in the Kansas City armor, and and goes by, we're seeing more and more and more cracks. Uh, in the meantime, the the Giants are getting a little bit healthier. We don't, we still don't know who's coming back. Uh, uh, do you have an update on that, Scott? Who, who's going to be back on this game? Do you know? No,
1: I was looking late last night when I was working some of this stuff, and it it didn't seem very clear. I haven't seen anything this morning yet.
2: And, but it did look like they were getting healthier. There was a at least these people, these guys were working out. So, uh, but there's just too much difference between my numbers and the and and Kansas City's shown nothing. And the thing that's and even when they do win, they usually don't worry about. Uh, putting distance between teams, although this is the one time where if they actually can get a lead, you'd think they put the pedal to the metal just to take out some frustration against the Giants. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, on the, I'm on the Giants. I'm not loving it. It's, it's a primarily a, 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 a metric play. Kansas City's minus 11 on the turnover ratio, and at some point they're going to start getting turnovers in their direction, and, and
0: that'll help uh, out how they do also. Yeah, Chris, that Giants play. I wasn't seeing it on our sheet, but is that another private play that is now semi-public? The Giants plus the ten.
2: Oh, I um, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that's a play. That's a play. If, if it's if it's ten on the uh, lines, yeah, I, I I sent it in. I think.
0: Got it. Okay, we'll see in a few minutes when we get to our best bets graphic. Come on, uh, step
2: on, guys. These guys want picks. They don't want to just sit there and listen to you guys pass, pass, pass. (laughs) Give them some picks. Sounds
0: like somebody's been reading the YouTube comments for the game clips where we don't have a bet. And as much as I would like to have a pick on this one, Kansas City, another team that's going in the drawer for me for now, I just don't know what we're missing, guys. It seems like the advanced metrics like EPA and points per drive speak so well of this offense. Yet, week after week, we wait for them to stop turning the ball over and it's just not happening. I feel like it's a matter of time until the turnovers come back to reality and this offense takes off again. But at the same time, I can't help but wondering if we're missing something that the advanced metrics aren't telling us. Scott, what do you make of this one?
1: I think Kansas, I think it's like Chris said. I'm, I'm just looking at some of their numbers here. I mean, Kansas City is who they are. We, I kind kind of talked about last week how maybe their defense is going to start to improve. I don't know that we're seeing that Uh, Mahomes continues to turn it over. We kind of keep saying that's going to change. I do think that will change eventually, but, um, you know, like Chris said, I mean, we're going well over a year now where this team is not winning by distance and yeah, maybe they'll, uh, you know, put their foot, uh, to the ground and, and blow this team out to take out some frustrations. But I've heard plenty of people say that over the last few weeks when they played some easier opponents and they still haven't. So. You know, what's wrong there? Maybe, you know, are are some of these guys that are a little banged up? Maybe they're a little more banged up than we think. Mahomes is putting pressure. The defense isn't that good. And oh, by the way, here, I made the number 10, so there's no value here for me. But here come the Giants, 22 and eight as a road dog since 2017, seven and two since 2017 as a road dog of more than seven. For whatever reason, they tend to hang around and uh, stay in games, and yeah, maybe the turnovers will start to flip because we got Danny Dimes coming to town, and he's usually good for a fumble every, every week. But um, you know, if some of these guys get back for the Giants, I think the ten is probably a pretty sexy, uh, sexy number if they can just move the ball a little bit. Because at this point, you know, and I think Chris has said this in past shows, how can you lay this many points with this team uh, based on what we've seen? I no. Could they win by 24? Of course, absolutely. But how can you lay this many points with what we've seen so far, knowing what their defense is, is, uh put on film so far?
2: You know, and Jones gets a vacation back there because Kansas City doesn't get to the quarterback at all. So that's going to be very helpful for, uh, you know, if they, you know, backdoor covers, maybe they'll win it outright. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I was just thinking, uh, this reminds me of, I think it was the week four card where the Giants, beat the saints and the jets beat the titans both of the uh new york i guess we can use new york in air quotes for these teams but both of the teams the jets and the giants big dogs won outright maybe this is a similar spot where i mean they're unlikely to win outright but there could be value on both when we look at numbers that are getting this high On that note, uh, Scott, you mentioned sexy numbers when you were talking about this one, and I think that can transition us to our best bets of the week. The official show plays. We've got a full-screen graphic ready to bring up here on the screen for the YouTube audience. Chris on the Panthers, along with myself and Scott, all of us taking plus three there. Chris also taking the Lions plus three and a half, the Jags plus three and a half, the Patriots plus four and a half. A lot of plus numbers here for Chris. And then the Bucks and Saints under 49 and a half. In addition to the Panthers, I'm also on the Titans and Colts to go over 51, as well as the Jets, plus 10 and a half. Scott, in addition to the Panthers, plus three on the Saints, catching four and a half against the Bucks. That's it for our week eight bets, everybody. At this point, we'll go ahead and thank you for joining us. Again, if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a quick thumbs up, subscribe to this channel, and jump in the comments to let us know your thoughts on our bets. And if you want to get and play on the action yourself, you can always sign up at BetUS and go ahead and use the promo code NFL2021 for a 125% sign-up bonus when doing so. We'll be back with you live on Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern at 2.30 Pacific to recap Week 8 and take our early look at Week 9. Until then, best of luck with your action, have a safe and happy Halloween, and we'll see you on Tuesday right back here at BetUS where the game begins.